When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Robert Wagner, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Ed Robertson, along with our guest, Andrew Arish, Andy's latest book, Vitagraph, America's First Great Motion Picture Studio, is a comprehensive biography and filmography of the Vitagraph Company, the Vitagraph Company, the first major motion picture studio in the United States, uh, producing about 3,500 movies during the silent film era, including the very first feature motion picture, which Andrew just mentioned. The Vitagraph Company, also the originator of such genre movies as detective stories, uh, situation comedies, so to speak. You know, so I guess you can say that uh, Vitagraph also was the forerunner of that form of television as we know it. It was also the first studio to produce a Christmas movie, as well as the first to have major movie stars, major canine stars, such as Gene the Vitagraph Dog. The first studio to depict a futuristic world 100 years in the future. So uh, they they made a movie, I forget the name of it. It It was released in... 1908, and it, and it depicted the world of 2008, which is kind of interesting to look at yeah. today. I think it's called 100 Years From Now or 100 Years Hence, something like that. 100 Years From Now, Vitagraph, America's first great motion picture studio available from University Press of Kentucky and Amazon.com. One of the, you mentioned the word scrupulous a little while ago. One of the eye-opening things for me, and maybe it's just eye-opening because I am not, I don't, I, I don't pretend to be a film scholar, but just as a reader, it was, it was very interesting to uh, learn about Thomas Edison and, and particularly Vitagraph's relationship with Tom, Thomas Edison. We think of Edison as this creative genius. We think of Edison as this prolific inventor but he was also very much a businessman, and uh, you you don't hold anything back in your depiction of Edison. No, um, because he was the first guy to um, really receive credit when he shouldn't have. Uh, but one thing that you could say in Edison's favor is he had a vision for motion pictures, and he financed um, the development of that vision. But he took credit as the guy who invented it, he took credit for films that he never made. Um, he never made a film in his life. People working for him did, and people working for him developed the cameras and, and you know projection devices for these things. He didn't break a sweat doing any of that. He was too busy uh, and too interested working on other things. And he didn't even think that movies would last. Uh, other people... Uh, like Blackton and Smith, as soon as they saw their first moving pictures, were like, "This is this, ch- this is a game changer. I want to be a part of this. This is this is huge. This is, uh, you know, I think there's legs in 
a handful of people around the world that had that reaction to it, whereas Edison didn't. But Edison, being you know having this huge ego and an awful lot of power and clout, um, was convincing people uh, legally uh, that he had every right to control the business, to make money off of anyone else that tried to make movies, or he could legally put them out of the business. And it was quite a struggle for the American industry uh, to get started. Had it not been for Edison's kind of legal machinations, I think the American industry would have gotten started 10 years earlier than it did. When you write about Edison in Vitagraph, America's first great motion picture studio, Andy, yeah. I, I, I often thought of Old Man Potter from It's a Wonderful yeah. Life. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if, uh, you know, if, uh, uh, Barrymore thought of him too, Lionel Barrymore. <laughs> it just, it, uh, he, yeah, you know, it just because that was, and, and, and in a lot of ways, that sort of, that plot line of it's a wonderful life sort of encapsulizes uh, the relationship between Edison and, and Vitagraph um, throughout much of their existence. Edison did everything he could to quash Vitagraph as he did everything he could to quash any other competitors known or perceived. Uh, But, but they, but Vitagraph, like George Bailey, hung in there and ultimately thrived, partially because of the efforts and contribution of a third party named William T. Poprock. Yes. What a fascinating character. You know, uh, both Smith and Blackton were very creative people, having been performers in vaudeville and all that. But they were babes in the woods when it came to business. And this guy, Pop Rock, comes along, and they they end up becoming partners. And this guy was kind of no-nonsense. He had been around. He hung around a lot of interesting characters. He, he knew the outcomes of horse races before they were run, boxing <laughs> matches, things like that. And Pop Rock served a very important function in the beginning of the movies. There weren't movie theaters. So where do you show this stuff? Anywhere you can think of. So, you know, the, the logical place first is in vaudeville theaters. So as part of an eight-act bill, um, you would hopefully get your movies shown in a particular theater as one of the acts. And if someone owns several theaters, you try to get into all of their theaters. But think beyond the box. What else can you get? And they started to come up with this idea, uh, a couple of things. One was called black tent shows, where a big circus tent um, that was black uh, was used for, like, summer resorts, where these were specific sites where you could show movies indoors. It must have been incredibly hot, but um, people would watch movies in these black tent shows at summer resorts and carnivals and places like that. And my favorite pop rock uh, venue that he set up were medicine shows. There was a company called the Kickapoo Medicine Company that was sending out traveling shows with, with a speaker, a guy called the professor that would sell this snake oil. They'd stop at 
crossroads and small towns in the middle of nowhere, and they'd sell this stuff that was 90% alcohol that was guaranteed to, you know, cure every malady under the sun. And they would put on little shows uh, in between the pitches for this product. And these were kind of like, you think of TV with commercials Mm -hmm. funding the entertainment. And punk rock convinced these guys, hey, put some movies out. Um, it's more economical that way. And you don't have to carry, uh, you know, live performers. And um, this was the first way an awful lot of people in small town and rural America saw their first movies uh, was at these Kickapoo medicine shows. <laughs> crazy stuff back then. William T. Pop Rock, one of the many characters that Andrew Arish brings to life in his new book, Vitagraph, America's first great motion picture studio, which is available wherever books are sold from University Press of Kentucky and Amazon.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Pop was not only a colorful character, but he was a formidable guy physically. And the the combination of his business savvy and the fact that uh, he did not suffer fools, he helped uh, Smith and Blackton weather a lot of the storms that uh, Edison generated through his various lawsuits. He sure did. They needed him so bad. Before Pop Rock came along, the Edison attorneys were um, just running these guys ragged and getting them to sign anything without consulting a lawyer. And, it, you know, looking back, it's embarrassing. And none of these guys, they were all immigrants. Um, they had all been born in England and come over to America as kids, had no education beyond, um, I think, the sixth grade. And they all learned business, and they all became big businessmen um, and made a lot of mistakes along the way. But it's, it's incredible that you could be as creative as they were. You know, Blackton invented motion picture animation, uh, among other things, and he never even thought that uh, that was such a big deal. But obviously it was. Um, because it was just one of so many accomplishments that these guys did. Um, it's amazing how much they were able to accomplish in so many different realms, um, getting movies off the ground. Perhaps it's a coincidence, Andy, but the company's fortune, Vitagraph's fortunes began to go, uh, uh, began to slide uh, not long after uh, Pop Rock died in 1916. Yes. He 
was Albert Smith was running the company, and he would always consult Pop Rock on everything. But but Smith was the worker, the, the you know, there's a guy in every business that is the one that if you lose him, you know, lights out. Mm-hmm. And he Smith trusted Pop Rock, and when Rock died. Uh, around the time that he died, a bunch of people that had no background in the movies um, who saw this as a way to make an awful lot of money came in and bamboozled Smith for a little while, and there was a brief uh, hostile takeover of the company, uh, and Smith had a nervous breakdown as a result, uh, but he was able to get the company back. So that hostile takeover only lasted for a couple of months, but it Financially, it cost the company an awful lot of money, and it coincided with World War One. And by the time World War One was happening, Vitagraph movies were being shown all over the world. Um, people in England preferred Vitagraph more than any British-made films. Uh, people in France uh, preferred Vitagraph as much as the best-selling French companies like Pathé. Um, same thing with folks in Italy. In Germany, in Australia, um, and then it, it started to go into South America, India, and China. It's just extraordinary when you go into the archives and you see fan letters written from places you can't imagine. John Bunny was Vitagraph's top comedian in the early days, and they knew him in Russia. And this is, you know, Russia under the czar, mm-hmm. and John Bunny was the biggest film star in Russia. <laughs> John Bunny is one of the pioneering film stars that Andy profiles in his new book, Vitagraph, America's First Great Motion Picture Studio, which is available wherever books are sold from University Press of Kentucky and Amazon.com. What is the motion picture patents company, Andy, and what role did it play in the demise of the Vitagraph company? Well, the motion picture patents company was Edison and his attorneys came up with that um, was basically, you know, in, in a in a you know sentence. If you can't beat them, join them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the courts were ruling in Edison's favor in 1989. Now, Vitagraph has been in business along with Seelig and Lubin and the Biograph Company for 10 years, and the courts are finally saying, hey. You guys um, have been conducting business illegally because Thomas Edison controls all the patents, and um, he's allowed to put you guys out of business now. And uh, all of a sudden, because he had the courts in his back pocket, these guys were faced with going out of business and possibly serving jail time. so Edison said, Edison realized movies were becoming a million-dollar business at that point. And he said, look, if you guys want to continue, um, you're going to basically work for me. Um, I'm going to be, I'm going to control the industry. I'm going to control distribution. I'm going to control exhibition to an extent. And you have to do things my way, and I make a percentage of every movie you make. And it was the 
only way that any of these guys could proceed legally. Uh, so they agreed to be part of this motion picture patents company, which was a holding company for patents. So any patent related to cameras or projectors um, were controlled in this patents organization. The promise being uh, Edison saying, no one else will ever be allowed to make movies. You'll all make an awful lot of money. We're going to limit the uh, foreign films that can come into the United States. And uh, because the courts are behind Edison, uh, only Edison can approve anyone else ever making movies. And a bunch of people shortly after that said, well, we'll take our chances with the law newcomers and started working in defiance of the law. And this thing just got too big. And the Supreme Court ultimately uh, decided to throw out Edison's claims and open up the industry to everyone. And unfortunately, the people that were coerced, um, and that's putting it mildly, <laughs> joining the patent company to continue legally to make films, have gotten a bad reputation um, because people have misrepresented it in terms of deliberately keeping out uh, Adolf Zucker or Louis B. Mayer or, or you know, the Warner Brothers, who had never made movies yet when mm -hmm. this thing was founded. But there's so much misinformation um, about the early days. So it's, uh, I'm setting the record straight in that regard in the book as well. That book being Vitagraph, America's First Great Motion Picture Studio by Andrew Arish, available right now from University Press of Kentucky and Amazon.com. We'll talk some more with Andy after this quick time out here on TV Confidential. One more item, if you love Ella Fitzgerald, our friend Jeffrey Mark celebrates the music of the First Lady of Song every week on Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella. You can hear Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.